0: hi this is an unexpected launch a show about stories and the people behind them I'm speaking with people who gracefully navigated unexpected life circumstances these are stories of resilience connection and community stories of lives being reimagined, rewritten and rebuilt I'm Kirsten and today's stories about Brian he's a son, a father a podcast host and an author Brian endured a series of losses, his losing his dad unexpectedly, getting fired from a job and being unemployed. These traumas led to the creation of some inspiring work, including hosting his podcast, The Intentional Encourager, and his book, People Buy From People. Brian, welcome to An Unexpected launch.
1: Kirsten, how are you today?
0: I'm great, thanks. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This was not an unexpected conversation, so I'm looking <laughs> forward to it.
0: I am very much looking forward to it. I had yes. the pleasure of being on your podcast previously. You
1: did. You did. You <laughs> sat in the hot seat that I'm sitting in now for a good bit. And we got into your incredible story. I can't wait to release it here in a few weeks. And um, it's it's really going to be impactful and powerful. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a part of the Intentional Encourager podcast.
0: Thank you. And thanks to you for sharing your story here today. I know that your story yes. is going to resonate with, with so many people. And I'm excited to dive right in. And so, you know, where I want to begin is with your dad. And I want you to tell us about your dad, who he was, and who he was to you.
1: Oh, my dad was, um, well, first of all, my parents are 19 and 17 years older than I am. So I'll be 49 in August. So my dad would have turned 68 this year. In fact, as we record this, my dad's birthday is next week. So Uh, my dad would have turned 68 this year and i'll be 49 in august so um you know my my dad was was a young father himself uh, i'm the only son i have two younger sisters so i'm the only boy um you know my parents got married at 18 and 16 and and so my dad lost his dad when he was four years old and and there's an there's a pretty incredible story around that but Um, you know, my dad did the best he could. When I, when, when my dad was younger, Kirsten, he was off with his older brothers doing stuff, but you know, my dad was there. My dad needed to mature. And so as I got to be 10, 11, 12 years old, my dad was in his early thirties. My dad took me to little league practice. It was on all my games, but where my dad really had an impact was when I was a teenager and young adult. And as I got married, I got married at 24. And so that's really when my dad started really having more impact on my life. It's not that he didn't when I was a teenager and, and young kid. I And I detailed in the book, my dad taught me to sing. I got up and sang in church with my dad when I was three. I, I detail about Playing music in in church for the first time when I was about fifteen, my dad kind of forced me in that that role. But it really was when I was an adult, a young adult, that my dad's impact was was pretty profound and powerful in my life.
0: And and how did he in turn shape you as a father?
1: Hmm. So my dad's first so the night my son was born, my talk about an unexpected launch. But we went to the doctor that day and. Um, my wife's amniotic fluid around her, around the baby had gone. And so the doctor said, well, we're going to put your wife in the hospital. And in the company I was working for at the time, Kirsten, I was in the food service industry at the time. I was a sales rep for a food company. And I told my bosses, I said, when my wife has the baby, I'm, I'm out for a week. And so we kind of already prepared. So when when I got the call, when, when we went to the doctor, the doctor said, we're going to go ahead and admit your wife to the hospital. And I said, well, that's great. I got a delivery to make about 20 minutes up the road. And I got a phone call saying, hey, you need to come back. Things are ramping up. And so because of that, so every time that my wife had a contraction, my son's heart rate dropped. And so we went from early that afternoon to kind of riding it out to that night about 830. Things were really ramping up. The doctor came back in and said, we're going to go get your son via C-section. You need to wait outside in the, in the waiting room. And so, but my dad was in Detroit, Michigan at a meeting about four and a half or five hours away from where we were. And my dad raced back there. And My dad got there in time to be there when my son was born. I still have a picture somewhere of my dad and I together walking down the hall to go see my son for the first time. And so my dad told me, that night he said ain't about you anymore and so I because it I was the firstborn. I was (laughs) I was the son and uh now that I had a son my dad was like nah not about you anymore it's about the grandson and my dad was intentional about really making sure that he spent time with my son um when my dad passed away Kirsten in in the in the collage that they run at the funeral home and things like that my sister put the pictures together I went back a few weeks ago and I watched it and I told my now 20 year old son I said man you really were the king because I always told him I said it's good to be the king and I and uh I said man you really were the king I said 80 percent of the pictures you're in and so that was the impact my dad this is the honest truth my dad would have kicked my tail if I wasn't a good father, because my dad was like, "That's not the the way I raised you, and that's not the example that I was to you." And when you when you have the, you know, my dad's favorite one of his favorite expressions was, "You made your bed, you you lay in it." And my dad would have said, "Hey, you 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 had a big part in in this kid being here. You need to step up and and be responsible." You need to step up and be the husband you're supposed to be, and the father you're supposed to be, and so that influence from that, knowing that I didn't want to disappoint my dad, and I'm sorry for being long winded with the answer, but um, you know that that responsibility, knowing that somebody was looking over my shoulder and holding me accountable, was what helped me to become a, a better father.
0: I love that, and and so Brian, your dad has was. He continues, I think, to be somebody who who's very inspirational to you, even though he's passed away. Yeah, and you mentioned um, that he did pass away unexpectedly. What happened? Yeah.
1: December six, two thousand and twelve. Um, my dad and I worked for the same company for the last ten months of his life. That was the best job I ever had, because for the first three months of my training, in air quotes, my dad and I spent probably twelve to sixteen hours a day together. We rode. We we covered parts of nine states, so we were in the van all day together. We ate lunch together. We ate breakfast sometimes, dinner. Um, you know, I remember one time we took a trip to to the Richmond, Virginia area, and it was right around Easter, and we had just gone to eat at a famous Dave's barbecue place. And I said, I want to run to the mall. I think I'm going to get a new suit for for Easter. And he goes, Well, I'll just I'll go with you. And so we went in with me and we picked out a suit and I picked out a pair of shoes. He's like, my God, those are ugly. And, and, you know, but I was like, all right, game on, I'm going to wear them to your church on Easter Sunday. So I did. And he was like, Oh no, this is bad. This is very bad. And, and uh, so I, I guess I still get a chuckle, but my, my dad is somebody, I, I, I didn't go to my dad's church. My dad pastored a church and I didn't attend, I didn't attend another church. And one of his, uh, one of his parishioners in his congregation uh, there, her son had a pair of shoes and they, they were my size. And, and she said, well, he doesn't wear them anymore or something. She said, give these to Brian. And my dad, I remember my dad handed me these shoes. They're like, I have no idea why I'm handing you these God awful shoes, but here you go. Like, I hate these things. I'm like, Oh, they're cool. I like them. I'll, I'll be, I'll be wearing, them, wearing them often. But uh, December 6, 2012, my dad who had had a pacemaker a few months before put in my dad and mom were traveling together. My mom traveled with my dad because we worked for a small family company and they were very understanding and things like that. Uh, My mom and dad were in Kent, Ohio working and they, they were planning on coming home that night because my dad was going to teach Bible study. And it was about six in the morning. My mom went to wake him up and he didn't wake up. And at a quarter, about 6.50 in the morning, my sister calls me and she, she says two words that I'll never forget. She said, dad's gone. And I talked to my dad at four o'clock the day before. Um, I was somewhere around Asheville, North Carolina, when we had our last Hendersonville, North Carolina, heading toward Asheville. And I stayed in Boone, North Carolina that night. And I woke up the next morning to the reality that that my dad was gone. And so that started kind of a whirlwind series of events that day. It was just, oh, it was just, you know, having to try to coordinate logistically. My mom was five hours away. So we were trying to get my mom back home and not knowing if, you know, we were supposed to get our commission checks the next day and not knowing if she had money or, or what. And so I remember Kirsten, I was at my mom and dad's house that night. And I, and I remember specifically going, I shouldn't be here. I'm supposed to be at a basketball game. My son was playing a buddy basketball game. We're supposed to. I shouldn't be here. Like I should not be here, but I'm here. Why am I here? What am I doing here? And just the reality of disbelief and and things like that. But it was the new normal that we were about to experience.
0: Yeah, and you know, death, whether it is, unexpected as with your father or somewhat expected due to an illness I mean it Mm -hmm. just brings about such grief and sense of loss loss of your own sense of identity how did you navigate that grief that you you said you found yourself in this place you certainly weren't expecting yeah so how did you navigate that grief
1: I'm weird I am I'm 100% weird. My wife says you do not get emotional, you don't cry. Listen, I'm the kind of guy that that when you get me a birthday card, it better be funny. I mean, it better it better it better make me laugh out loud. My wife is more the sentimental, you know, and my parents knew that about me, and so every year my dad was in charge of picking out my birthday card. He's like, you know, Just because that's the way I roll. I just didn't show a lot of emotion. That weekend for me was about, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to stand in the gap here. I've got to take control of it. I planned my dad's funeral service, his memorial service. My mom just couldn't do it. And so I'm like, all right, I'll take charge. Not a problem. And so Kirsten, I remember standing on a month. So this happened on Thursday morning. We had his memorial service on Monday. And I want to say it was probably five, the service started at 5 p.m. I want to say about 540, 545. I stepped to the, to the lectern there, the, 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 the podium at the funeral home. And I knew that I was going to speak for my family. I knew all weekend that I was going to be the I was going to be the last one to speak. And I did that intentionally because of, of a couple of things. Number one, I wanted people to know that my family was going to be okay and I was going to be the one to speak for my family. And two, I wanted them to see what my dad had poured into me for 40 years of my life. I wanted them to see that that pouring in. I wanted that to, I wanted them to see it manifested. And I wanted to tell them the three things that I learned from my dad. My dad taught me how to love, work, and serve. And so I wanted them to understand the impact. Yes, the impact he had on them. But I wanted them to see the, the man that, that, that he impacted that was standing before them that was his own flesh and blood. And so there was, there was never a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to speak. There was never a doubt in my mind what I was going to say. And to be to be transparent, I mean, I have an uncle that passed away, my dad's brother. I have an uncle that passed away a few years ago, that kind of resented me until he died that he didn't get to speak at the funeral. And I was like, no, this is it, it, no, I'm going to speak. The last person that's going to talk about my, I was the last person to see my dad. I went to the funeral home a couple of days before then. We didn't have a, we didn't have a service. We cremated my dad. And I was the last, and I was intentional. I said, I'm going to be the last person to see. You. So I just had that mindset of this is how it's going to be. This is how we're going to roll. And I really didn't care what anybody else thought because it wasn't their dad. Mm-hmm. They weren't going through it. It was it was me. And, and Kirsten, I don't mean to have a long-winded answer, but there was some weird stuff that happened that weekend. Like I got a, a weird phone call on the way to the funeral home. And I just had to kind of go, no, man, that's not happening. And, and I just had to, I was just like, you know, I, I don't care who I upset or offend or make mad. This is the way it's going to be. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, somebody's got to take charge. And so, you know, people might be listening to this and they say, man, you you got a you got a just a different kind of mindset. Well, yeah, that's the way my dad raised me to be my dad didn't raise me to be like everybody else. In fact, it would have been a disservice to his legacy if I'd been like everybody else. And so I was just gonna, I was gonna do what I felt like needed to be done. And that's the way it was gonna be.
0: Well, and I think that, you know, you, you earned that right. You're, you are his son. And this was your, are mourning the loss of your father. And you wanted things to, to represent what he would have loved and appreciated.
1: I told my parents for years, I said, let's go back to the Bible days. Firstborn gets everything. (laughs) I said, you know, I said, I'm cool with it. And I even teased my mom. I said, you should have stopped at one. Your dad should have stopped at one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you should have stopped at one. I'm telling you, you know. I love that. Uh, it's just the way my tiny mind works, Kirsten. I, I don't know. I,
0: I love that. Um, and we're going to come back to your dad because he certainly shows up in some of the yeah. work that you've gone on to do, but I want to switch gears a little bit because I think this also influenced where you are today. Yeah. You ended up getting fired from a job and you spent mm-hmm. some months on unemployment yep. and losing a job is humbling. It can be a hit to, to someone's self-confidence. So how did you rise above that?
1: Well, August 23rd, 2017, is a day I'll never forget. Um, started out that morning heading to heading to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to to just go about my day, and I uh, was was asked to be on a conference call with my team. Was on a conference call with my team. Hung up from that conference call, dialed into another conference call. And it was my team lead. And what I didn't know at the time was someone from HR and they were letting me go. And it was, it was, to be honest, it was pretty brutal and ruthless. Um, It was based in, in falsehoods. Just to be completely transparent, it was based in falsehoods. And the reason I know that was a couple of months later, I, I petitioned the company for a copy of my personnel file. And sure enough, what was in there were, was false. And, and I, I reached out and shared some of the communication with, with other people that were involved. And they said, well, that, that didn't happen. That's not true. So I was, you, you, you feel vindicated and you feel justified, but you're still not in, in the situation that you wanna be in. And so for the, for the next six months, that was August 23rd. For the next six months, I dealt with fear, anxiety, depression, jealousy, anger. Uh, doubt, self-esteem issues, and I would never had self-esteem issues. You know, Kirsten, there would be some mornings after my son and and wife would, would leave the house, I'd lay on the floor and cry and pray and ask God, why was I going through this? But here's what I found out. I found out that there were people that cared. There were people that cared. And God sent people into my life that are still friends to this day. And I want to mention one of them because I, I had a conversation with her a little while ago and that's Kristen Sherry. God sent her into my life and she helped me. And she's like, I don't know who you are, but your story touches me. And she became a dear friend of mine. And, and Kristen just, she's amazing. She's got all these books and she's just blowing up and she's everywhere, And we, but she's a dear friend. And, and God sent her and sent other people into my life that just helped me get through it. So this is the part of the story is pretty amazing. So February 1st, I'm on LinkedIn, I get a message. And it's from an acquaintance. I don't really know this person, but we know of each other. She, She in messages me and says, hey, Brian, I'm getting ready to leave a position. It's not for me, but it's for you. Message me or call me if you're interested. I'm like, uh, yeah, it took me about two seconds to dial her number. <laughs> and she goes, here's what's happening. And she, she told me, she said, I'm going to recommend you for the position. Well, the funny thing about it was this girl's team lead was someone Kristen knew. Hmm. And so I called Kristen. I said, you're not going to believe this. You're not, you're not going to believe this. And she goes, I know that person. I didn't know that they knew each other. She's like, I know this person. I'm going to send an email to them right now. So fast forward about three, it it took some time. Um, The company I'd interviewed against this, the the wild thing was I'd interviewed against this girl and they chose her over me. And I, I didn't, I was like, why? But the Lord had to do a work in me to get me ready for this opportunity. And so here's the amazing thing. I interviewed for this position I was wearing a Marshall jacket and blue jeans, and I was sitting about five feet from where I'm sitting right now, and did it over the phone. And the next day, this this is wild. This is pretty amazing. I interviewed with a company uh, that a friend of mine was with about three weeks before. I was following up with him. He's like, "Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna offer you something." They're gonna, I'm like, "Oh, cool, great." Six months to the day, I got let go. Within three hours, I had two job offers. And so God was telling me, God was showing me that my family and I were, that that, here's what I learned, Kirsten. Storms in life have a definite beginning and a definite ending. So it doesn't matter if it's a rainstorm, a snowstorm, whatever it is. A storm has a definite, and we've got the, the weather channel apps and stuff that we have on our phones. Like they can tell us when a storm's going to start. I wish life were like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I could hunker down and go, okay, this, all right. You know, I'm getting ready for it. Cause I had no idea. I was blindsided. (laughs) My family was blindsided. And they'll even tell you when the storm's going to end. And I wish I knew that too, but life doesn't work that way. But the amazing part of it was that because I went through all that, I was able to help other people. Mm -hmm. Just like other people came to my aid and helped me when I needed help. And so that's really what this journey now has been about. is about reaching out and connecting and helping other people, whether it's... I was talking to somebody today, a rather new friend, connection, who lost his dad. And we were talking and I said, man, I just wanted to... he, He lost his dad earlier this morning. And I just said, man, I had to pick up the phone and call you. You know why, Kirsten? Because people reached out to me the morning my dad died. Yeah. I was flooded with phone calls. When I hear of somebody that loses a job, I reach out to them and go, man, what can I do for you? Can I write you a letter of recommendation? Can, can I put you in touch with, you know, I've helped two or three people with resources that Kristen's had. And I've said, here you go. I want to I help you. And so... That would have been what my dad did, because, you know, wasn't the first time that I've gone through something like this, the first time I went through it was back in 09, and my dad goes, what do you need? I said, to be honest, our, our insurance is coming due, and I remember my dad coming to my house and saying, okay, here's my commission check for the month. This is going to help you and your family. So now I get the opportunity where I'm sitting today to go, hey, I can help somebody else because of what I've been through. And I, forgive me for going long there. I, I, I really wanted to, to bring some things into clarity for, for your audience.
0: Well, you know, two of the things that I absolutely love that, that you wove throughout that is things that you learned about yourself and things that you could take away from that experience. Yeah. And then the gifts of people and opportunities that came into your life that otherwise would not have. And I think a lot of this has led to your your podcast, The Intentional Encourager, which, which I absolutely love. And I'd love to know how the concept of that podcast came about, because that's certainly what you're doing here is you're creating connection. You're telling stories of hope. And so tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, my friend Damon Burton asked me one day, he said, why are you doing the podcast? And I said, DB, you want the honest truth? It's because I love connecting with people that I have on as guests. They become my friends. And I said, so that's the the main thing. But Kirsten, if if people can't tell by listening to me, um, I've done some live radio over over the last eighteen years. So I have a good friend that has a morning talk show. He's been on the air for twenty years, and the last year when he's taken off, I've been the primary fill in. And so, uh, I did, and I do his show right from where I do the Intentional Encourager podcast. Um. But the reason I did a, that I'm did doing a podcast is I had people that said, you need to do a podcast. And I said, what am I going to do a podcast about? I'm going to talk sports, which I can do. I'm going to talk sales. Yeah, I can do that. But I saw other people doing it. But what I didn't see, and LinkedIn is where I hang out the most, I didn't see encouragement. I saw nobody encouraging. And I thought, I can do that. And so that's how the intentional encourager, because the intentional was my word for 2020. And I thought, okay, let's do the intentional encourager podcast. I got I to tell you this real quick. My son, my 20-year-old son, my quick-witted 20-year-old son comes in one day and he says, Dad, I said, what? He said, I've decided to do a podcast. you inspired inspired to do a podcast. Oh. I said, really? That's cool. I said, what are you going to do it on? He said, I'm going to call it the unintentional discourager. <laughs> <laughs> I said, boy, that nut doesn't fall far from the tree. My wife is just rolling her eyes, like, "Dear God, there's two of you now." You know, there. You know, so. Uh, but no, that that's where the podcast came. And, and Kirsten, I'll tell you something. You and and I have had, as we sit here today, we've recorded almost 130 episodes. Officially, we've released. We're getting ready to release 103. And there's been some bonus episodes. So official releases, technically we've released about 110 episodes with bonus episodes. We've recorded over 130. Um, We're probably close to 150 recorded, if I'm being completely honest. We've got a series within People Buy From People where all the endorsers come back and we do. That'll release um, probably the second week of April we'll, we'll release that. Um, and that's going to be a full two weeks, Monday through Friday for two weeks, there's 10 endorsers. So Monday through Friday, it's going to be the whole, that's, that's all, that's all it's going to be for two weeks is, is the endorsers. And so, um, and we'll probably release the intentional encourage podcast on Saturday and Sunday that week. But, uh, I, I want to definitely be intentional about doing something around people, buy from people, but I'm blown away. I, I just, I'm blown away. You're in. Your podcast was good. Now wait till you hear her podcast. It was good, and uh, and so, but yeah, that's that's really what what it's all about is spreading as much intentional encouragement as we can.
0: Well, I I love that because there are so many um, there are so many things out there to to teach us, to guide us, to give us skills, yeah. and it's some of those 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 connections that those those people. Connections and something that somebody can tell you that can give you that hope or that boost that you need to move forward. And so I love the name. I love that it's intentional, and I love encouragement because I think you're right. I don't think there's.
1: You may tell you a little secret. Yeah. Let me tell you a little secret. Encouraged people are powerful people. If you're a leader and you're listening to this podcast. And you encourage your team. Guess what you're going to do to your team? You're going to light, as we say in West Virginia, Kirsten. You're going to light them up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> you are. You are going to. You are going to set those people on fire. Encouraged people are powerful people. Zig Ziglar has one of the greatest quotes on encouragement I've ever heard, and and his son Tom's a friend of mine. And I said, Tom, your dad just absolutely hit this out of the ballpark. Zig said, encouragement is the fuel that powers hope. And so here's what happens, Kirsten. Let me, let me just share with your audience what happens when you encourage somebody. You begin to bring a window down in their mind, and you open their emotions. Rather, you raise a window, and you open up their emotions. And so when you raise that window through encouragement, and you open up the emotions, now the emotions, the mind is open, and it can receive education. It can receive expertise, all because you encouraged it. You open the window to the emotions through encouragement. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's really important. And people don't realize, everybody. and I say this at the end of every podcast, everyone, everywhere, at any time, in any place, can be an intentional encourager. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. And so I'm writing a second book about how to, how, to, how to be an intentional encourager. You have to start with yourself first. You have to be encouraged first before you can ever encourage others. But it is so easy, but we're not doing it as a society. We're not encouraging each other. And so I'm trying to to stand in the gap like I did after my dad died, stand in the gap and just say, okay, I'm going to be that intentional encourager. So that's where it's at.
0: So tell me what about your podcast brings you the most joy?
1: Connecting with people like you connecting and hearing the incredible stories like what you shared with me on the podcast and I'm not gonna give that away
0: you the podcast. Yeah.
1: it's it's the connections people that have become dear dear friends of mine that I'll just text and go hey I was thinking about you today and I'm intentional about getting cell phone numbers if, if people want to connect with me I want to stay connected because my thought is, if you if you if you're connected enough to be on the podcast, we need to stay connected. And so, that's one benefit, and it's telling these incredible stories. I mean, it's just like, I can't believe that you chose my podcast. And I, Kirsten, I have people that'll say to me, "I've never told that before. Mm-hmm. I've never told that story before." And I'm like, "That is so cool." Like you chose to tell that on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rocking right there. That's. I that's think
0: storytelling stuff. is is so interesting, and and my podcast uh, is all about stories, and and they're stories of ordinary people, and I found the same thing that I'll have guests on, and we'll be talking about their story, and they'll share something that either they hadn't quite recognized in themselves yet, but it was sort of through the telling of their story that they, they came to this and it was the first time they had realized it or they realized, gosh, I thought that I had worked through that, but I realized I actually, I haven't. And so it's really, that's the power of stories. And it's the power of telling the story for the storyteller yeah. and the power of the recipient of the person who's hearing the story and how that can shape, encourage, and give somebody hope.
1: So I, I didn't, I, love I it. didn't, well, I didn't tell an unexpected story. So here's an unexpected story. I kind of teased it if you were listening a little bit earlier. I said my dad's dad died when he was four. Yeah. Okay. Not my granddad. My dad was four. My granddad was much older. My wife and I met on a blind date. And we went on a couple of dates. And so we I decided we, we decided we were going to go out on a date, just the two of us. Just just me and her. I go to pick her up at her house, and she's finishing getting ready, and her mom, who's now my mother-in-law, comes out, and we're sitting talking, and she said, I got to ask you a question. It's all right, so I'm just kind of bracing for impact here, and she goes, did your grandfather die in church, and I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, he did. And she said, she looked at me, she kind of sat up and looked at me and she said, I thought so. She said, I was 14 years old. Hmm. I was there. Tanya's dad was there. And both sets of her grandparents were there. I'd never met my wife. I never knew she existed before we went on a blind date. Hmm. And the funny thing about this is, I live a quarter of a mile from where my grandparents lived when my granddad passed away in that little church that my granddad passed away in my granddad stood up to pray and dropped over and and passed we got married in that little church and my wife's grandfather who just passed away a few months ago in in November of 2020 was the first person to turn around and try to assist my grandma.
0: I love that story.
1: Now let's fast forward. I got I got one more unexpected story, okay? I was talking about my dad's funeral. I'm standing at my dad's funeral and a dear person in our church, um, the 10 days before he had lost his wife, and he and my dad have been friends for 40 plus years. And, and I talked to him that week. He said, Please tell your dad I want him to come to the funeral. And he said, I know your dad's teaching Bible study that night, but I know he's got church, but would you please have him come? So I I told my dad, I said, You got to be there. I said, Ron's asking you, you gotta be there. He said, Okay, I'll be there. So I'm standing up front next to Ron, his family. I'm I'm helping the family. And um I see my dad and Ron embrace. It's a beautiful friend embrace, longtime friends. The next Thursday, my dad passes away. Ron's the first person outside of my family I get a hold of. Ron tells me, he said, Brian, he said, I've just, I've done family. I don't understand this. He said, but one thing I understand, he said, God never makes a mistake. I said, yeah, you're right. 100% right. So Ron was the administrator of a daycare, so he worked all weekend because he wanted to be there for me and my, and my family. He wanted to pay respects to, to my dad. We're standing outside the funeral home, Kirsten, and Ron looked at me and he said, "Brian's son, if you need a dad. I'll be a dad to you." I thought, well, that's a new, that's a nice thing to say. A few months later. My mom came to church with us. Ron was there. He hadn't seen my mom since the funeral, so they start talking, getting acquainted. Nine months to the day my dad passed away, Ron became my stepdad.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow! I
1: told you I had an unexpected story for you <laughs> and they that. they're they're wonderful, they're happy. they make each other happy and um you know, how could we have known, how could I have known the week before what was going to happen all those months later? And so, yeah, that's, uh, I had a couple of surprises, I told you I had a couple of surprises for I love, you.
0: I love that. I love yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Well,
0: speaking of your dad, one of the one of the most power, powerful pieces of wisdom that he shared with you was People Buy From People. Yep. And that, in fact, is the name of your book. Yep. So first of all, I'd love to know, what do you think your dad? You mean
1: this one right here? This one I got in my hand that's got <laughs> my dad's obituary in it? Yeah, I keep my dad's obituary. Here's a picture of my dad, by the way. Oh. This is a picture of my dad.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: I've got that tie. I, I've got that tie that he wore. I, I'll wear, I've got a shirt pretty close to that collar and I'll wear that. But here's the thing. I, I'll say this real quick. The reason I wear contact lenses and a beard is because if I shave, and I put my glasses on. I look like my dad and my my <laughs> wife freaks out. She's like, oh my God.
0: Too close.
1: <laughs> Please grow hair. Grow hair on your face quickly. You know. So my dad told me when my son was born. I gotta share this with you. My dad told me when my son was born, I wore glasses. And my son was about six months old and he started pulling my glasses. And I told my wife, I said, I've always wanted to get contact lenses. Let's 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 go to let's go that route. But my dad, when, when my son was born, I had a goatee. My dad didn't like facial hair. And he goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. He said, if you mark up my grandson kissing on him with that goatee, he said, you and I are going to have problems. <laughs> well, the problem my dad had was he was in it within earshot of my wife. And my wife looked at him and she said, I'll tell him what he can shave it, not you. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> my, dad, my dad knew to stand down quickly you know he, he he stood down quickly yeah my dad gave me the the greatest piece of advice I didn't mean to cut your question off forgive me for that but
0: no it's all good I I I was wondering what do you think he would think of the book
1: wow that's a great question um oh man what would my dad think of the book uh I would take some needless ribbing over it. I, the, my dad would probably give me more grief over the podcast than he would give me <laughs> over the book. He'd probably say, why in any crap would people want to listen to you talk? You know, that's the way my dad would say. I got I to gotta share a quick story with you. I got to share a quick story with you. I the, the 10 months that my dad and I worked together, I'd been in sales for 16, 17 years, won awards, things like that. My dad saw those things from the outside. And I told my wife when my dad and I worked together, I said, I want my dad to see how good I am. And so the day before he died, we, we alternated seeing customers. I would see him one month. He would see that, that same customer the next month. So in November, I had seen a customer in Akron, Ohio. And he told me, he said, now, listen, I'm going to tell you about this customer. He said, me and the dad, we're, we're like this. We get along fabulous. He said, but I can't stand the sun. Can't stand Eric. It's all right. I'm gonna keep that in mind. So I go in and I'm talking to Eric and we connect. I mean, we just hit it off beautifully. My cell phone is in my pocket. And about every 15 minutes or so, I was there for about an hour. Every 10 or 15 minutes, my dad was calling me, blowing me up. So I get back out to the to the van and he goes, Where have you been for an hour? So I've been talking to Eric. He said, I can't believe you've been talking to that jerk for an hour. I cannot believe that. And I said, Dad, we connected. He has an MBA. I have an MBA. We, we connected. The next month, he goes to see Eric and his dad. And for an hour, Eric's telling him, hey, Jerry, we love Brian. And we're so excited about what you guys are doing. And we want to do more business with you. And, and man, we're just we're thrilled about this. This is great. And so I'm blowing him up. I'm like, where you been? What are you doing? And he goes, I've been listening to a love fest about you for the last hour. <laughs> well, when well, after he died, my mom told me she said he couldn't tell you. She said that he was so proud. That was the gift that the Lord gave me. Because I told my wife all those months before, I said, I want my dad to see how. How good I am! And the, his last day on earth, he saw it. And so that's a gift that I will take with me. What would my dad say about the book? I think he would say, "Well done." I think he would say, "I think you've, I think you've got something here." Because as I was in the middle of writing that book, Kirsten, I thought my dad was telling me about sales. I thought, "Well, this is a sales book. I'm gonna write this for salespeople. It's gonna be a sales book. I'm gonna take." What my dad told me in my 25 plus years of sales experience, and I'm going to put it all down on paper. I got halfway through the book, and I had that V8 moment. My dad would, and and what I really understood in that moment, my dad wasn't talking to me about sales. He was talking to me about connection, and I totally changed how the, the book was written. And my dad, I think, would say, "You got it. You finally got it. You finally got what I was telling you. It's about." people. It will always be about people. It's about connecting with people, no matter their walk of life or what they do. It's about connecting with people. Here's how you do it. So that, I think that's what he would have said. I think you would have said, I think he hit, I think you got it pretty well right.
0: Oh, I love that. And you, you weave stories about your dad throughout the book, as I understand. And where can people find the book?
1: Well, I will tell you one story that's not in the book. I want to share a quick story that's not in the book with your audience. About three weeks after my dad died, I was carrying a lot of weight. Uh, as I mentioned, my dad pastored church. and My mom would say, well, you've got to come help us out. Because my dad led songs. He preached. He was their, their music. And I sing and I play instru- I play a couple of instruments. And my mom was like, you need to come and help us. So Sundays were busy. I mean, I was on the road traveling Monday through wednesday but then on sunday i was going from daylight till dark for about a month and um just trying to fill the gap just trying to help him out i was really carrying a load and it was a friday morning and i was praying and i said lord i want to have a dream about my dad so saturday night rolls around we go to bed my wife and i go to bed and in the middle of the night i have a dream here's the dream I'm in our warehouse, and I have my, I'm facing a wall that's got product on it, and my dad's behind me, and I said, Dad, where are you going this week? He said, well, I'm going here, 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 and I realized, I said, but you're not here anymore, and I started getting tears. I started crying, and I turned around very quickly, and there was a door to the left, my dad had darted out that door, but he left the, it cracked. And I sprinted for that door. I just, I ran as fast as I could. It wasn't a long distance, but I sprinted for that door. And my dad had his work van open. The back doors were open. And I looked at him and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I didn't want to leave, son. I said, I know you didn't, dad. I had tears in my eyes. And I said, dad, I'm trying. He said, I know you are. And with that, I woke up. Mm -hmm. Here's the beautiful part to that dream. When I woke up, I was crying. My wife said, are you okay? And I said, I am now. It was a burden that was lifted Uh off my shoulders. For the first time in three weeks, I had some real clarity. I started to understand, I'm going to be okay. Did I have moments? Yeah, I remember being in a parking lot in Ashboro, North Carolina after eating one of my dad's favorite restaurants. I took my dad's picture and his hat and sat in the booth across from me. I broke down when I got to the parking lot of the mall. I had those moments where I broke down. But you know, I am going to be okay. And I, I'm still okay. It's been eight and a half years, almost eight and a half years. There are times I get emotional, but, but I, I'm, I'm more grateful than I am emotional. If that makes any sense, yeah. and so, um, you know, again, where people can find the book, um, they can get it on Amazon. Um, just search "people buy from people." Brian Sexton it pulls right up. If you want to buy it from Amazon, great, yeah, go for it. Um, if you if you like Kindle, it's available on Kindle. Um, if you like if you like being read by the author with a slightly hillbilly accent, you can you can get it on Audible. And I I read the book. Um, or people can contact me. I've got I've got copies that I'll sell. I'll sign it for you, personalize it. You can buy a copy directly from me. I actually have some copies, and it's got pictures in it. And yeah, I'll even I'll even sign it and and like, but whatever you want to like. If you if you want me to say like, uh, there's some things I won't say like uh, like go Cardinals. You know, I'm 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 a diehard. but dad and I were Cincinnati Reds fans, so we will not put any like go Cubs or go Cardinals. Now, I mean, I'll write something else in there. I'll be, I'll be nice, you know, but um, I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I will not put anything like here we go, Steelers, or something like that. No, I won't do that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, if you want to if you want to get a copy from me, just reach out to me. My my email address is sextonbryan 13 at gmail.com. And I'll send you my PayPal link and you can, you can send me, um, I'll include shipping and tax and you can PayPal me. And a lot of people have done that. So yeah, that's how you can get the book. So thank you for asking. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well, Brian, it's been so phenomenal speaking with you today, Uh, turning the tables, me getting to uh, speak with you. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
1: Kirsten, I love what you're doing. You're you are making an impact and you are encouraging people. With, the, with giving a platform for people to tell their unexpected launch stories, and I'm grateful to you for that. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Unexpected Launch podcast. Doing so helps our stories reach those who need encouragement and hope. For those of you who wish to view videos of our conversations, please visit the Unexpected Launch channel on YouTube.